All right, hello and welcome to the Out of Space Games Actual Play Podcast. Today we are starting officially episode one of our Horror on the Orient Express Call of Cthulhu RPG campaign. I guess I just gave it away to my investigators, so now they're all rapidly typing it in and yeah. <laughs> reading exactly what happens. No, because I'm lazy. Good. Anyways, we'd like to welcome you. This is the first time we're trying to record this or run a RPG online. In the past, we've done it in person, but we're going to try to do it with our podcast set up and see how things work. So this way you'll be able to, I guess, listen along to our adventures. Maybe they can listen back and see what interesting decisions they make along the way. So anyways, my name is Jay. I will be the keeper for this campaign. My name is Sean. I'll be Garfield Hernandez, a drifter for this campaign. My name is David. I'll play Everett Turner, a smuggler. My name is Dean. I will play Henry Condor. I'm a photographer. And my name is Jared. I will be playing as a Walter Price, a junior professor of archaeology. Out of Space Games presents Horror on Orient Express. Out of space. If you want to hear more about their backstory, you should listen to our episode zero, where they actually roll their characters and get their stats together. It'll give you a little more in-depth background on their character and maybe a little bit about their stats. Some things that we didn't cover in the last podcast, I think I should get somewhat of an idea of how your investigators feel towards maybe the occult or, you know, weird happenings. Basically, whether they're really skeptic or highly skeptical or maybe curious. Well, with Walter... I actually put uh, 55 points into the occult, so I would say I'm highly interested as it's a, a field of study for me with archaeology. Okay. Uh, Garfield was more of a blue-collar guy, not into religion, really, not into cults. Okay. Uh, my guy Henry is a photographer, so he likes to go anywhere that will take him to meet more models and women to photograph and also nice scenery, but mainly the women. Okay, so you're more practical, skeptical. Makes sense. Yeah. I would say Everett is aware of certain stories in his family's past and has encountered some odd things while smuggling during uh, some night runs, but mostly he tries not to think about it too hard. Sounds like you have to poop a lot. Okay. Smuggling runs. <laughs> oh, Margie, I gotta go. Okay. All right. Uh, so something we like to do, we also give uh, investigators extra bonus skills just to help you along your adventure. Uh, you're required to use them at least once in each location we visit. No. Uh, they help round out and flesh your character. So the first one, I kind of spoiled it off air, but... So Henry Condor, we are going to give you... <laughs> Being the photographer and all. Uh, distracted by cleavage is your special skill. <laughs> that's uh, not a skill. That's let's, give you, a guy. let's give you a random number of 69 percentage. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> all right. Okay. So, Walter Price, uh, you said you have an issue with, with sleeping sickness on the last podcast. So, what's the condition where you like randomly... Narcolepsy? Yes. Okay. <laughs> so you have... Uh, we'll give you a... 
Well, let's roll for it here. Hold on. Okay, you got kind of lucky. It's going to be a 43%. That's pretty high. Hey. <laughs> it's, it's less than average. You're not a professional skill. <laughs> Narcoleptic. Right. <laughs> All right, Everett. You know what? We're going to cancel what we had for you and go with um, a night runs. <laughs> <laughs> so it's IBS or something? <laughs> sure. But only at night. <laughs> Nocturnal IBS. <laughs> Isn't there a condition if you get scared, you have like, you get like real gas here? <laughs> All right. Um,. All right, that's only a... It's a 38, so... Right around the 40s. (laughs) (laughs) So, Garfield Hernandez. So, this was was tougher, because you're kind of um, not attractive. (laughs) (laughs) You know. uh, Yeah. But you're, like, streetwise, because you had a really high, like, what, intelligence or... Yeah, even though he's uneducated. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think you guys should help me with it. I didn't come up with like a really good one. I'll let the other guys do it. <laughs> well, it'd be a really useful skill. And by useful, I mean not at all. <laughs> <laughs> just get at washing windows with newspaper. I don't know. Oh, okay. You okay? So you, it should be <laughs> like a MacGyver. Like, yeah, I can. I can. Uh, okay. Okay. Because you have first aid too. Okay, we'll call it a useless first aid. All right. <laughs> And we'll give you a pretty high high roll of this, so I'll just roll one dice for the digits. Yeah, it's going to be uh, 67. So useless first aid, meaning... Yeah, I think that'll change as we go on, um, depending on what you pick up. I have I have a pretty good one for later on, but it would seem useless right now. So now I think you guys are fully equipped with your statistics. So another thing we're going to be doing for this adventure is give you the listeners, let you be able to follow on completely. So we're going to be posting uh, investigator sheets, all the handouts, all the information. And we even have a Google Doc that all these guys can contribute to as we gain more information and notes. So you can see exactly what people are thinking or discovering. So even if you're coming back to this a couple months later, you'll still be able to look back on what exactly they learned throughout the campaign. So we'll have a link to that in the show notes. Make sure you check out the website. As Jared would say, www.outofspacegames.com. Uh, <laughs> hey, it's important. Mm-hmm. So some quick background. This adventure will take place in the 1920s. Right now it is January, oh, December 29th, 1922. So right before New Year's. So I gave you a handout detailing uh, a relationship you should have. And right now, I'll give you a little bit more background on that. So just we're all on the same page. You all know or have heard of Professor Julius Arthur Smith. He is a doctor of letters, which is uh, abbreviated weird. <laughs> little D. Yeah. But I guess it's what, higher than a PhD? It can yeah, be. it's like an honorary degree in the humanities of some sort. Yeah. So... He's like 59, heavy set Englishman. Actually, I should let one of you read it. A scholar who now devotes himself entirely to research. He is famed for his whiskers and great curling mustaches that give him the air of a friendly walrus. His disgusting <laughs> preferences in tobaccos 
especially his favorite, a foul obsidian-hued Balkan Sobranje, and his Rude after-dinner stories and his hearty laugh are trademarks. Dr. Smith has lived and traveled extensively on the continent. His specialties are European languages and archaeology. His little D was conferred was conferred by the University of Vienna. In the past, he has aided you in rendering difficult translations. Now his attention has shifted to matters parapsychological with excellent results. The professor maintains a townhouse in St. John's Wood, where he resides when in London. At present, it is undergoing renovation to enlarge his library, and so the investigators must stay at a hotel. When in London, Smith spends most of his time lecturing at the University of London or reading at the British Museum Library. He is a member at the Oriental Club, but does not get there as often as he would like. His country home is an estate not far from Cambridge. Margaret, his wife, died in 1919. These days, his manservant, Beddoes, who is at once friend, assistant, and confidant, is his only companion. Of course. Okay, so he has invited you all to London, where he's living. Specifically, you all know of an event, or have heard of an event, called the Challenger Trust Banquet slash lecture. It uh, used to be just a lecture. It has expanded recently into a larger banquet and everything. You can imagine it as a 1920s-ish TED Talk, all right? So you have very bright minds of the time coming together, and usually there's some famed presenter who has spent years researching a topic, and basically this is their announcement to the world, revealing evidence and facts and everything for everyone to, I guess, learn about it. So it's kind of a either an invitation only or you only can go if you know that it's happening. So it's not necessarily widely publicized except for those people who are in the circles that would know about it. So it's a pretty big deal. Your characters have heard about it. Some maybe directly from Professor Smith. I feel like Walter, you probably maybe one of your professors knew about him or have heard about him. In any case, you're familiar with his work. Uh, Henry, you as a photographer, would want to participate, to be invited, to take pictures and document what's going on. I guess for Everett, maybe uh, you definitely see a business opportunity. You try to make money while you do have, you know, runs of liquor and stuff for Prohibition. You also are looking for bigger and better opportunities and maybe get some pressure off you in the States. And then as a drifter, you're just... (laughs) Well... (laughs) Yeah. No, first of all, you got nowhere else to be. <laughs> but secondly, with such a with the with such a high intelligence, you're not drifting because you necessarily need money or can't do anything else, but you're doing it for the adventure. And since you've never been to London before, this would be a perfect chance to maybe go to Europe and see what's going on there as well it's as adventure time. Exactly. <laughs> <Really>. <laughs> Okay. So let me read just a little bit about the Challenger Lecture. So it's a formal affair hosted by the trustees, who select speakers of clear voice, sound mind, and impeccable credentials to report on original researches or inventions of theoretical or practical importance. These evenings are held roughly once a year, though some years 
you might see two or three of such events, depending on, you know, who's ready to present, while in other years, none of them occur. The trustees, true to their charter, and no doubt chuckling in discussion over cigars and port, encourage idiosyncratic and even amusing studies, but by individuals nonetheless able to convey proofs either inherently astonishing or startling in implication. In collective effect, the trustees judge nominees by Barnum's criterion. Amaze me. So the great formal dinner occurs on the evening of Wednesday, January 3rd, 1923, in the Imperial Institute in Kensington. So this year's speaker is Dr. Julia Smith, and he's actually invited you all to basically help him prepare one of his talks. So he's going to be giving you a little bit of background. So essentially, I feel like uh, Garfield's motivation is the hardest to, or how does he get hooked up with everyone? I don't know. He's probably just hungry. There's free food. I feel like Garfield has to have worked with Ivor Everett or maybe on archaeological, like as a hired hand, you know, with Walter. Yeah, I mean, he probably helped someone, like, yeah, Everett with smuggling or... I could have stumbled across him, you know, one day while I was taking pictures and befriended him. I feel like Walter would have the most pull in terms of, like, if you were like, hey, Professor Smith, I have another manservant to bring. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You guys. All right. No, I I mean, he can just be, you know, a a hired hand uh, muscle at this point of just, you know, bring him along just in case we need something dirty done. So let's say the professor calls Walter. He's like, hey, you know, I I need someone to help me with some research. I have a couple cases to present for this lecture, but I've got to get some more information. If you have anyone you can bring along, I'll pay for your airfare and for theirs. So he does this kind of with all of you individually. So Airfare? There should be ship fare. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we're flying to London from Chicago <laughs> in 1922. No, it, it happened. But it kind of shows you the importance of how badly he needs you there. Okay. Because it's basically a rush job. So tonight is the 29th, all right? So he's he's basically doing it for two reasons. Because he needs it rushed, he's going to get you out there as soon as he can because he needs to present about it on the 3rd. And he'd like to get you before the New Year's. That way, if you finish the investigation, you have a couple of days to kind of celebrate and enjoy the city before helping him present. Again, as I mentioned, for Everett, you see this as a good business opportunity. We won't go into details about how you heard about it. I don't think the professor will like call you up like, hey, bro, what you doing? You know, but um, <laughs> yeah, through some third party or something that you heard about, you were able to get your name on the list or, you know, make yourself known. You're known for your, your work ethic, we'll call it. So you're invited along as well. And of course, for photography he's a fan of your work with your um <clears throat> model photography so he feels like you could do a good job photographing whatever it is yes you do <laughs> so basically all of you find your way to london all right he helps you get there so most of you don't know each other beforehand but you're going to meet so he invites you all together There's a new room opening at the British Museum on the day that you get there, or maybe the day after. You know, you don't all arrive at the same time on the same flight, so 
but he invites you to the British Museum, and this is where he's going to kind of tell you what happens. But just as some background, kind of uh, see a new collection called the Maudslay Collection. It's an exhibition of ancient stone sculptures from the early Mayan tribes of southern Mexico and Central America. Archaeologist Dr. Alfred P. Maudslay recovered the exhibits from ruined jungle temples during expeditions in the 1880s and is present to open the exhibition. So here he gives you like your formal, since most of you he has not met in person before, he gives you formal invitation to the lecture and everything, and then invites you over to uh, his place for dinner so he can basically give you your task. There's not much to say about the Maudslay collection right now, but you do notice some interesting things, you know. It looks like an old altar depicting bloodletting rites, maybe human sacrifice. Walter might be able to um, spot things with his archaeology skill. Yeah. Is it like out in the open for us to really like get our hands on? So most of these are, most of them are photographs, you know, on the walls or okay in displays. You do have some small, I guess, sculptures and plaster casts, more from the civilization. But in terms of the environment and the whole picture, it's more photographs and stuff. Yeah, I, I'd definitely be interested in taking a closer look on especially the physical, you know, trinkets and statues, but as well as the archaeology um, photos, as I definitely heard of the mm-hmm. the dig previously. All right, let's get a archaeology roll here. All right, so I roll a D100. Yep. Failed. Okay. Nothing stands out to you, but you guys do kind of notice, like I said, the altar, and you wonder what they're for. But it kind of passes out of your mind. And you later join the professor at his residence. So, his manservant, Edos, greets you at the door. <laughs> Hello, Bedos. Or, yeah, Bedos, sorry. <laughs> yeah, he kind of bumbles about, I don't know. Like, he's a courteous, nice guy, but you can tell he doesn't care too much what the professor is about. Doesn't have that much information to give you. Anyways... Uh, you sit down for a light meal, nothing too crazy. I forget to mention, he did put you all up in the same hotel, just to give you somewhere to stay while you're in the area. So, he didn't go crazy, he didn't put you at the Ritz. We're going to be staying at the Midland Grand. It's kind of close to a railway, so it's kind of a travel hotel. Do they have hourly rates? (laughs) (laughs) Only on the weekends. I'm familiar with those. I mean, they're not trying to promote themselves as that type of place, but I'm sure you can find places down the street for uh, photography opportunities, I'm sure. All right, so you guys sit down to dinner, a nice chat, kind of just talk about the world in general. He basically tries to gauge your interest in the occult, kind of like I did earlier, what you guys think about everything, how you guys feel. And then he lays it on you. Aside from the information you gained earlier, he's also known as a rigorous skeptic. His methodical analysis has earned him high reputation as a debunker of mediums, spiritualists, fortune tellers, prophets, holy sites, apparitions, and so on. So even though he's a well-known skeptic, he kind of suddenly turns serious and says, there proved to be, however, categories of repetitious phenomenon, offering no simple elucidation. I refer to the poltergeist, to the traveler, who suddenly finds himself dozens or thousands of miles or years from where he stood moments before. 
and to the haunting. My presentation in a couple days concerns this last haunting. I say haunting and not ghost or spirit, because alone, haunters can be buildings, lanterns, coaches and fours, swords and so on, as well as men, women, dogs, bears, processions, even armies. Worldwide, the store of casual anecdote concerning haunters is enormous. And I say epiphenomena, because the haunters are not linked with specific observers, and the haunting presumably occurs with or without human witnesses, as we shall see. Thus, perception of such an event is secondary to the event itself. The essential characteristics of haunters are simple. The person or thing must have existed, must have disappeared in some sense, and then must reappear once or many times. The location of the phenomenon may stay the same or may change. That which reappears may be partial or even insubstantial, or be as solid and real-seeming as any member of our gathering tonight. No other conditions are needed. So he kind of shows you slides of three hauntings in detail. There's like a fishing boat that's kind of fishy, a Norwegian woman, <laughs> and a weird kind of handcart thing in London. But each incident has been studied and photographed from a variety of angles, different positions, allowing for accurate like scaling size-wise of the apparitions. So basically, why this is kind of shocking to you, because for all intents and purposes, you knew Professor Smith to be a complete skeptic of all sorts of events, you know, famous for debunking them. And so to come out with this information saying, look, I'm, I'm basically staking my degree on all this information. Basically, I need to have some concrete proof that something is going on. So I just recently found out about another such occurrence. And I want you to kind of investigate it for me, if you could. The reason why I called people in from out of city and stuff, I don't want anyone too close to it who's heard about it and anyone really that I, that could know me to stumble upon my findings. So I think it was best for me to invite some strangers with good references to help me out. And then he hands you a newspaper article. Man disappears in cloud of smoke. Spontaneous human combustion? <laughs> Police are today investigating the disappearance of Mr. Henry Stanley, 41, of Stoke Newington, who was reported missing last night by his landlady, Mrs. Constance Atkins. She alleges that she heard a cry from Mr. Stanley's upstairs room at 8 o'clock. He did not answer her knocking, and when she opened the door, the room was full of smoke and there was no sign of him. Mr. Stanley is not married. He is a noted train enthusiast and member of the London Train Spotters Association. His disappearance may be a case of spontaneous human combustion. Police have refused to comment on this. Similar cases have been reported in England earlier this century. The most recent known was that of Mr. J. Temple Thurston, who burned to death in his home in Dartford, Kent, in 1919. It has been revealed that a model train set was found on the scene that had been purchased last week from the shop of Mehmet Marcriot. That child's toy may have caused the fire. So does he want us to investigate this fire? Yeah, I so he it? gives you this article and he says, you know, I want you to see what happens because in one of the cases we had, basically, or what appeals to me about this, I don't think it was human combustion. Like, there's smoke and stuff, but uh, I don't know. I want you guys to check it out. Just let me know what's going on because I think if it ends up being something related to an apparition, then it's something recent I can point to, like, right now, not, like, 50 years ago, 
to point to as proof for these hauntings happening. Uh, if not, then, oh, well, I still have the evidence I have, and at least we'll know what's going on with this. All right. Do we know where this apartment is? I guess, like, is it something that we can easily get to? Yeah, it's probably not hard to find. Um, they have, it's not like they hid any details. Well, we're right next to the railway, so we could just find a train that goes there. Yeah, right? so you'll want to go probably tomorrow. I mean, you guys just went for dinner and stuff. Before you leave, the professor promises you a bonus if you are able to solve it before the Challenger lecture. In addition to that, I would like to secure the rights to shipping anything overseas to the United States for any exhibits. Can we get that? It's a possibility depending on the results that you find. Okay. But because on good faith, he does give you all a advance because he's going to pay you for the work that you do anyway. So in addition to putting you up at the hotel and getting you to London, you get a nice healthy amount of money to get you around the city and pay for things. And I can keep any money I make off of photographs. Uh, and make well, he does request that, um, right? if you have any photographs from your private collection not published in <laughs> any magazine so far. <laughs> Alright, that's all the professor has for you. So we probably head back to our hotel room for the night so we can get a start in the morning? Yeah, and maybe think of a plan of action. Mm-hmm. Well, I definitely think there's like locations that we could go to. We could go to Stoke Newington to see where Henley Stanley died. We could go to um, where Mr. Temple Thurston died a couple years ago. We could go to the shop of Mehmet. That's a strange. Makrat. So. Hmm. I, I don't know. My thought would be to go to the most recent one first. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think so too. Works for me. Do we all want to go to the same place, or do you want to split it up? I mean, it's not like we have an easy way to communicate with each other if we split up. So, let's just go to the all together, then. Okay. So, where are we headed? To Henry Stanley's in Stoke Newington. So basically, Henry Stanley lived in an apartment-type thing in Stoke Newington. Police have gone by now. Outside on the pavement, you notice a large chalked sign. See the death room. Six dollars. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that is really creepy. <laughs> Another sign handwritten in the front window reads, um, room for rent. So... <laughs> <laughs> is it the same room? Well, it's the same establishment. Same handwriting, though. <laughs> All right, so you guys come up to the apartment. Being my photographer self, going to start nosing around and just kind of... Okay, p- taking pictures. Taking pictures, observing everything, kind of giving everything a once-over and walking. Yeah, nothing sticks out to you. Do we have to pay to get in here? You could knock on the door and see first. Okay. <laughs> I guess we will <laughs> knock on the door. <laughs> yes. <laughs> An older lady comes out. You assume it's the landlady. Mm-hmm. She introduces herself as Mrs. Constant Atkins. And she asks you kind of straight up, you here to see the room or to rent a room? Um, 
I'm not saying that they're the same room. I'm just uh, like to know beforehand <laughs> which one you're interested in. Well, we're here to rent the room, but we're also curious about this room that you're advertising as a death room. Wait, so you are here to rent a room? <laughs> but we just want to casually observe the other room without having to pay for it. Um, <laughs> well, we like really interesting rooms, so if they're one and the same, <laughs> we would like to see this room and rent it, possibly. Actually, the room that's for rent, yeah, it's still being cleaned right now, but I can show you the room where someone died if you have um, a couple dollars. <laughs> I could even do a group discount since there's a couple of you. Wait, wait, wait. We have to get in character here. It's pounds, not dollars. Pounds, uh, yes. It's, okay, it's supposed to be a, a sixpence. Sixpence. Okay. Sixpence. How, how about this? Maybe if the room is to our liking, then we can consider paying you afterward. What? Wait, hold on. Okay, fine, fine. How about this? You give me a couple bucks. They're the same room, okay? You figure it out. A couple quid. Whatever. (laughs) Yeah. How about I give you one quid? Uh, No, no. How about you give this woman no quids? What I'm trying to say here. (laughs) So this is your death room, right? So if we like it and we think it's real cool, we'll go and spread word of mouth. That'll bring you in more money. Right. Then I was paying you and right how now. How do we know that, that someone died? You could just be an empty room. We have to go and look to make sure somebody actually died in there. Let me go ahead and hit you with Persuade real, real quick, though. <laughs> okay, yeah, you can try. Yeah, I made it. Mrs. Atkins is a firm, vigorous woman found in hair curlers and a dressing gown, no matter what time of the day. <sighs> All right, well, I guess I'll let you in. But don't tell anyone else about this, okay? We're very discreet. I'm just trying to make an honest living here. And honestly, I'm showing people who yeah. died in a room. I mean, a room hey, where people listen, died. Listen, I don't judge how you make your money. <laughs> I think that um, Henry might be a little distracted by something. <laughs> <laughs> Only slightly. But yes. You should make a roll. All right. Got five. So. I hit it. Oh, okay. You are very distracted. Um, <laughs> he was extremely distracted. <laughs> so I guess she's uh, somewhat flattered by your uh, interest in her <laughs> dressing gown. <laughs> and offers up some information. Stanley came home at 4 o'clock, you know, in time for tea that day. He was really excited because he just purchased, like, a new train set. Kind of really weird for someone his age. Hmm. Anyways, he went upstairs at 7. So that, you know, this type of apartment, it's not like a full, it's called like a bed sit, you know what I mean? So the dining room and everything is still. So he's renting like a room from her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So anyways, he goes upstairs at 7 and I didn't see him again. Um, Well, he couldn't have left the house without walking through the sitting room. And I was there, you know, reading the latest issue of Silver Screen Stars. I do recall, though. I think I heard him cry out, and I heard some, like, rumble. So I went up there and knocked on the door, but he was gone, and the room was just full of smoke. Window was closed and bolted from the inside. I never touched anything inside. So, I don't know. That's kind of what I remember. Do you still have the train set? Uh, I think the police took it. Like I said, I didn't touch anything. So, you didn't, like take any money or anything take, oh, valuable oh, oh, hold on this <laughs> no i charge hey, people I'm, money for I, mean, I don't I'm just, just go saying, and steal 
you, you can't collect money from the guy after he's dead. I you know, just, what if you just picked up a few things, you know? I don't know. Just question. Just curious. Well, fine. you can go in and look for yourself, but I promise I did not take anything. All right. So where'd you get that nightgown? <laughs> <laughs> what, a dude's like a cross-dresser now? <laughs> did you fail your role? <laughs> no, that just explains why I keep staring at it. Oh. I need to buy it for my mom. Yeah. Oh, God. All oh, right. So, <laughs> so Henry goes make some small talk. So, but she lets you look at the room if you want. She doesn't care. You know, that was the deal. Yeah. Well, I do my thing of um, looking around, taking pictures, close-ups, and just kind of trying to spot and anything now she, I can. She kind of reminds you, wagging her finger. Mind that you don't take anything either. <clears throat> oh, really? Okay, so step back while we look. So is the room, like, bare, or did she leave all of it? Yeah, pretty much. She kind of mentions he's really, like, a lonely guy. He didn't really bring people home. Really quiet, too. It's a standard cold-water bed-sitting room. So there's a door on the east wall, a window on the west wall. And actually, it's kind of weird. In some ways, reminds you of, like, a kid obsessed with trains. So there's a bunch of books and pictures about railways, engines projects and history history you say huh yeah like train history you know what i mean okay so like pictures of walls or trains on the walls and stuff is anything like burned or is there any smoke damage hmm well let's see if you guys take a closer look and get some spot hidden rolls i had i had an extreme success okay so you immediately notice some dark like sooty streaks across the ceiling in a pattern running northwest to southeast. Miss Atkins did say earlier that Mr. Stanley did not smoke. That was kind of one of your first questions, when, because everyone assumes he burned up. However, you do notice there are bubbles under the wallpaper as though it had been steamed. You also notice long black, like parallel smudges on the dark carpet underneath your feet. These run in the same direction as the streaks across the ceiling. Let me get an... Either an idea or an intelligence. You choose one and then... Where's idea at again? top, right? Top. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's the same thing. Jared. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I made mine. Yeah, I did too. All right. So, Everett, you see these tracks on the... Oops. Uh, you see these marks on the... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> see these marks on the carpet. <laughs> And you recollect, you know, you remember your, your nephew playing with, like, train tracks, and that looks about the same size. Mm-hmm. You know, a small, like, electrical train set. There's nothing else really in the room that catches your eye. So, more than one of you made a spot hidden? Yeah. Okay. So, you do find kind of a note written on just a scrap piece of paper, and you notice a name on it, Randolph Alexis. Is there any sort of, like, um, feeling in the room? You know, does it just feel like a normal room? Does it feel kind of like ominous or creepy or? Nothing really. I mean, it, it feels like something happened in there. It doesn't feel like someone burned up though. So there was obviously smoke and the, something happened that left the marks. But, you know, when you think of someone spontaneous combusting or a room going up in fire, there's black like everywhere. That's not so in this case. It's basically you have those marks and almost nothing else. Things are disheveled like. They were blown everywhere like something happened, but the windows were closed. I'm looking for the uh, the model train set that they uh, said was found there. Is that still in the room? No, the cops took it, remember? 
okay. Yeah, she assumed the cops took it. The cops took it out for evidence, basically, I think. Uh-huh. Is it worth trying to collect any evidence of her own? Like, you know, maybe wiping some of the smudges or, like, scraping off maybe the bubbles in the wallpaper or anything like that? I don't think it'll give you any more forensic, anything more than it infers. Okay. Maybe grabbing one of, like, the history. The books? Yeah, on the trains, you know. Yeah. What's the view outside the window? Nothing spectacular. Just the alleyway. All right. right. So, Miss Atkins, she told you not to take anything, so she's going to (laughs) want a little bit of uh, compensation if you're going to be taking the book. All right, lady. Like, how about you just let us out of (sighs) here? We won't come back and burn down your house. Oh, man. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) That's cold-blooded. Wow, man. (laughs) I said I have a little bit of an anger problem. I'm sick of you trying to, like, I could do a charm roll. How about, let me let me try to charm her out of it. All right, she already likes me for uh for checking her out. So mm-hmm. I'm gonna do a charm roll and yeah, I crit hit. Jesus Christ, this is terrible. All right, I should never give you that skill. All right, so. <laughs> All right. So after some smooth talking and distracting her, she gets your room number at the hotel, and you guys leave with the book. <laughs> <laughs> I of course give her Walter's number. <laughs> Walter's gonna be real pissed if she comes yeah. to my room. <laughs> Alright, where are you guys headed next? I think we should head to that toy shop. Or do you want to get the Thurston home before it's the other death scene, you know? Well, let's see. If we go to the toy shop we can get background on the yeah, Thurston's bought. not that right, right. close, and it happened four years ago. Just so you know. Yeah. Okay. So probably not. Yeah. Well, actually, or we could stop by the the Scotland Yard and see if they have the train set on hand, and we can maybe take a peek at it. Up to you guys. Should do both that, and also look at the like to go to the shop. Well, because the shop feels like that's where the final, you know, final fight scene will be. So. No. 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 I think this is a very long story. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's not a one um, and done. I think we either go to the Chelsea hotel room to see where the toy shop owner burned up, or we go to his shop. Those would be my thoughts. How far is Chelsea from Stoke Newington? What's in Chelsea, sorry? That's where the hotel room where the shop owner died. Oh. And where's the other location you're trying to get to? His shop, his hotel room. It doesn't say where his shop is. Yeah. All right, but I still want to. I mean, we could probably look it up, or I still want to see if we can f- look at the train set that the police have. All right, let me look at a map real quick, or ask the police, like you know, what they have, what they know about what happened. It's about a thirty-five minute train ride from Chelsea to Stoke Newington. Yeah. So yeah, whatever you guys want to do, it's not that bad. Uh, I mean, if you want to split up, I'll go to the police station. If you guys go to the shops and hotel room and whatnot. Sure, I'm gonna head to the shop. Okay. That's a 30-minute ride, so then let's say we'll meet up back at our hotel in like three hours, whatever, two, three hours. Or just meet up once you're done, just go back there and wait for the others, since we don't have cell phones. Sounds good. Mm. All right, I'm not going to do the phone thing right now where I call you to split your group up. So I'll assume you guys share this information after you get back to the hotel room. Okay. So okay. Who, who are we following first? Why don't you follow Dean first? Okay. Or follow Henry. Yes. With his boob fixation. 
cleavage, not not the whole, you know, <laughs> not the whole it's, thing. It's really just a cleavage. Yes, the cleavage is more artful. You know, yes. Okay. All right, makes for better pictures. Okay, so um, you head towards the police station. What was your credit roll? It was a thirty. Uh, yes. Okay. No one else is going with him to the police station. Yeah, I'm gonna go to the uh, the shop as well. Okay. And I don't think the drifter likes please. Okay, makes sense. No. Yeah. So it doesn't. <laughs> and it makes sense, you know, like if I'm just a photographer, I can tell them I'm like working with a newspaper or something. Gotcha. So it makes more sense if I'm by myself. The guy on duty, basically the receptionist person, whoever greets you, basically tells you everything you already know. Uh, he knows nothing about whatever murders you talk about or any connection to any other crime. That's a matter for those who know more than me. Would any of those people be around that could? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. Listen, that's not really my job. Like, you could try to persuade him. I don't think your charm is going to work here. Or fast talk him. He's a police officer, right? Mm-hmm. We'll try to charmingly hand him some quid. That, no, that won't fly here. That'll get you in trouble. All right. Well, I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm, so so he doesn't know. He just doesn't really care to help me out with this. Well, with he doesn't see any reason to bother the sergeant. Well, I have a lot of stealth. Could I just stealthily walk around once he turns his back? You could try it. <laughs> I will roll for stealth once we. There's conversation. Woo! All right, got it. All right. Uh, he kind of rolls his eyes as he watches you try to sneak past. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and that doesn't work. He's like, dude, I'm right here. Like, well, I was waiting until he turns okay, around. Okay, okay. How about... Okay, what do you want to talk to him about? I just want to see if, if he knew more about it and also if I could look at the train set. Uh, I was at the house and you here for a stupid train set. All right, listen, <laughs> I'll let you talk to him then. All right, I don't know what he's gonna say, but I mean, if he ends up getting mad throwing me out, it'll probably be a good show for you. So it's in your best interest. All right, so uh, he sends you to the sergeant. Then the sergeant tr- tries to greet you. He's kind of busy with other stuff, so not really happy to see you. And he answers you kind of gruffly. All right, what do you want? Uh, I'm just uh, wondering about that uh, that murder, well, that that death, not murder, that death last night of Henry Stanley. Uh, it seemed really peculiar. The train one? Yeah. All right, well, what do you want to know? Did you guys take the train set when you guys went to investigate the room? Yeah, we took it. Um, could I possibly see it? Yeah. Listen, we're policemen. We don't care about trains. So what we did... You know the London Train Spotters Association? I was going to go there. Yes. All right. So if you want to know about okay. it, it's going to be over there. If you want the dude's name so you can stop bothering me, Arthur Butter is the president. Okay? Thanks. Um, well, really quickly, uh, what, did you see anything suspicious? All the, 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 the streaks and the bubbles and such. Hmm. Let's get a credit rating roll here. Credit rating? Yep. Oof, 79. Okay. <laughs> yeah, listen, uh, we didn't really find anything, man, so I don't know what else you're looking for. 
I got to get back to work though. So, All right, can, can I take a picture of it really quickly? Because I'm a photographer and I have to take pictures of everything. All right. At this point, <laughs> he just kind of uh, gets up out of his chair and closes the door on you. Well, then, then, then I leave. Okay. And head back to the hotel then. Well, actually, I probably then I would probably go to the um the train spotters association while they're still. Okay. Yeah. 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 Let's. So then you can go to them next. Let's follow along with the other guys. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So you guys head to the shop. So as you approach the shop, you notice, you know, there are kind of people on the streets. It looks like they're residents that live close by. So maybe know the neighborhood, know the shop owner and stuff. The shop itself is two-storied, a small closed sign is hanging in the window. You can't see in too much. Looks like a little touristy place because it looks like almost some rugs and ceramics that are a little bit more like foreign to London at least. But yeah. Is it open still? Like is it still like in business? From the looks, not at the moment right now. Uh So maybe we need to talk to some people uh, in the neighborhood about it? Yeah, you could. Let's, uh, yeah, start knocking on doors or are people just kind of chilling around? Yeah, there are people in the streets because there's other shops and food stands and stuff, you know. It's not like isolated. Yeah, let's go ask one of the shop owners that are near the shop. Okay. All right, so uh, you approach one of them. How do you introduce yourselves? Or I'm a I don't think I'm the best one to be uh, <laughs> trying that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Is anybody charming or... Uh, persuasive especially i'm just angry i'm especially persuasive but i mean we're just saying hi right so yeah and i have fast talk yeah so let's see is there anybody that looks particularly approachable maybe a little shady but you're ugly though so you might scare people away look for other drifters i think that walter is probably the most uh i mean i'm probably the most like put together than you what's your credit rating 35 what about Mine's two. Yeah, I know. Yours is terrible. What about <laughs> smuggling? <laughs> My credit rating is a 50. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Yeah, so let's, uh, let's approach the person who's standing closest to the shop, then. Okay. All right, so you come up to him. What are you asking? Someone. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Hello, sir. How are you doing this fine day or afternoon i guess i'm doing Who well talks like that? <laughs> hey i'm just i'm trying to feel them out real quick all right so you guys obviously uh look out of sorts how can i help you um we're just trying to find out a little bit about uh this the shop right here if uh i don't know how long it's been here you know just basic stuff you know we're 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 kind of tourists but we're also looking for business opportunities, and we'd heard about it, so. Okay. Know. Yeah, um, it's run by an old guy, like, old, what, Turkish guy, I think? Anyway, it closed uh, only a few days ago. I don't know, he hasn't been back. I don't know what happened. Like, he was a nice guy, but it's not like we were friends. You ever been in there? Just to look around, you know, sometimes when things were slow, we would talk a bit, but. You know, he saw those Persian rugs and uh, 
ceramics. You know, it smelled kind of weird, you know what I mean? Like uh, incenses and stuff. All right. Did, was there a certain, like, clientele that frequented there? Not really. I mean, you get some tourists and stuff. They stop through this area just because there's a lot of shops, but no one in particular. I don't know. Nothing really stood out. Did he ever mention any kind of difficulties or trouble with anyone, like people he owed debts to or anything like that? Not really. I mean, he, he really kind of kept to himself. I mean, um, he did have one person who would kind of like help him around the store. Um, he might actually be in there. This is a two-story place. I feel like he might be up in the offices or something, just like tidying up or keeping the books or something. I guess if you knock on the door, he might come down and help you out. All right, maybe we'll do that. Thanks a lot. Yeah, no problem. Cheerio. (laughs) 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 One in Rome. (laughs) I think we should try to break in. All right, can we knock on the door first before no. we try to break <laughs> Come on, Everett, what are you good for? Let's try knocking on the door first. Between you and Garfield, one of you has to be able to break into a store. Who I can, like I can pick basic locks <laughs> really well, actually. I'm good at sneaking, but let's knock on the door first. I mean, <laughs> we don't have the same anger that Walter has. Okay. Also, I mean, there, like... there may, I think there's a, there's a back door that faces the alley that has less tr- foot traffic. Oh, God. So let's go around and break in the back door. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get some rolls. Get your dice rolls. <sighs> yeah, I made it. Your lockpick? Yeah. While attempting to break in, I fell asleep. Oh. Okay. <laughs> or... I gotcha. So it takes you some time. You finally get into the shop. It's not really that large. So coming in the back door, you notice some stairs going up to your left. And you're basically in the back room. There's not a whole bunch of back stock. But a lot of it, again, is just not local goods and stuff like that. Foreign stuff. (laughs) Is there anything with non-English writing on it or anything like that? Yeah, there's that scattered around. Um, You do notice some, like, what looks like probably account books or records. Underneath the counter. Let's have a look then. Okay. Anyone, I'm guessing not, with an accounting specialty? <laughs> no. 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 I, have a good ap- I can appraise it. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so let's get a library use. Since you're flipping through looking for fast information, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, I made it. And a crit hit. Nice. Oh, no. Sorry. Extreme. Okay. Five. Oh, nice. Let me get another library used to. If you, the rest of you haven't. I failed by one. You gonna spend a luck? Yeah, I'll spend a luck. Okay. So you're gonna get two bits of information here. So, the first thing, you'll notice the last item sold was one Wrightson Special Commission train set delivered to Mr. Henry Stanley of Stoke Newington for one pound. You find a consignment note, actually. So. The person who was actually selling it? Yeah. You get a consignment note. Um, it was purchased from the estate of Randolph Alexis a couple months before. So as you're flipping through, you notice, especially after seeing the name or the brand of the train, this Wrightson Special Commission train set was purchased from the estate of Randolph Alexis a couple months back. 
later sold to Henry Stanley. And that's the name that we got off the note at Stanley's house. Mm-hmm. Now, if I could get an occult roll. Failed. I missed by five. Can we do history? Would that work? Yep. All right. Got that. Okay. So you recognize the name Randolph Alexis. He was an occultist of some notoriety with links to both the Hermetic Order of Golden Dawn and the Hermetic Order of the Silver Twilight. He shared an interest, this interest, this occultist interest, with his son, Albert Alexis, who also dabbled in these dark arts. So he's kind of an obscure historical figure, but because of your both history and occult knowledge, you would have stumbled upon his name somewhere. Mm. So you might be able to find more information about him. Maybe if you looked up British occult figures or like history happenings. Okay. Uh, so, so we might need to go to the library. <laughs> yeah. Do you think we should maybe uh, knock now and talk to the guy upstairs, or uh... after we broke into his place? Mm-hmm. Oh, you want to? Oh, we could we can leave and go to the <laughs> front door and then knock. Sure. Uh, as you guys circle around to the front, the shop. Keeper who you were talking to earlier kind of looks at you funny. Like, (laughs) uh, there's nothing really back there. uh, But you guys knock on the front. There's no answer. All right. So I think we're done here. Sure. Why not? All right. So Henry, you are headed to London Train Spotters. Yes. All right. So the headquarters of this association is in Arthur Butter's home. He's pretty friendly, and as you kind of strike up a conversation with him, he's pretty upset about the disappearance. He calls it a disappearance of Henry Stanley. Do you know anything more about this disappearance? Um, not really. I mean, he was quiet, likable guy, though. Longtime member of the association, so. How long? I don't know. A couple of years. I kind of don't. Oh, okay. You know what I mean. It's it wasn't just a recent hobby, if that's what you're asking. Uh huh. Did he was he acting funny at all the the day he disappeared? Did you see him before he dis on the day he disappeared? Or what, what was the last actually scratch all that? When was the last time you saw him? Um. Well, we occasionally have meetings. We have like uh, association dinners, you know. So there's actually one later tonight. So you might talk to people that have known him but i don't know really much about it except that the police gave me the train set could i see the set uh he kind of makes like a a grimace i tried the set once it seems to work fine you know just to satisfy the police there's not like many sparks or anything weird what it reminded me of henry and i just don't want to deal with that right now you know what actually that the train set, I don't know if you knew this, and he kind of gets all happy. Uh, it's kind of rather in poor taste, because he's describing something he's passionate about. <laughs> the model depicts an actual train that, that wrecked back in 1897 on the Liverpool run. Um, a whole bunch of people disappeared, died. I don't think Stanley knew about it, or he wouldn't have really picked it up, though. I think, honestly, he, he had a good eye for, like, authenticity. But he didn't really care that much about history. I don't know. I remember he had this big book, but I don't think he ever opened it. Oh. You know, I tried to be charming and try my way into seeing the set. 
Mm. Yeah, either that or credit. Alright, I hit the charm. Alright, well, I don't think I can let you take it because it's still police evidence, but if you want to use it, you know, photograph it, test it out, do whatever. It's in my basement. You guys are welcome to to use it here. Okay. Well, then I go down to the basement and check it out. Okay. Don't know if turning it on will be a smart idea, but I at least want to look at it. Okay. Um, then I'll roll spot hidden to while I'm looking at it. To nah, it doesn't work like that, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, then now that I'm looking at the set. Do I see anything suspicious, or just a train set? It's a train set. I'll describe it for you. So anyway, the track is mounted on a hardwood board. Large enough and heavy enough, you actually need several people to move it. So it's not like something you could just stick, you know, carry with you in a box. The track is in a peculiarly, like, twisted figure eight pattern. There's no scenery, but a series of ramps alters elevations on the circuit, allowing it to complete a circuit. A large new battery provides the power. The model is a small brown and black train in the style of the 1890s with two wooden and metal coaches a massive black engine and a tender each car bears a different serial number and is different in small ways so you do notice that is exquisitely detailed and as far as you can tell authentic you know it's not like you have an expertise in it but it it's a high-end model set you know what i mean it's been put together well Right. Well, I'll take as like a number of very detailed close-ups and you know wide shots too. Yeah. So he'll take some pictures. He's like, um, I do have to get going soon to prepare for the dinner, of course. But like I said, you're invited if you would like to come. Actually, we you can bring anyone you want. We are always looking for more members. People are excited about this hobby. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, do does do I need to know what time it starts? No. He gives you the details. You have that. It's not anything specific. Okay. You should be able to have time to make it back to the hotel. Okay. And back to the dinner. All right. Well, then I will definitely make it out tonight. Okay. Thank so, you for your time. Mm-hmm. You don't get a chance Cheerio. to. Oh, my God. You don't get a chance to test it out or, <laughs> or run it. So dumb. So you guys meet back at the hotel and basically share your information with one another. Well, I, I think we need to take a look in the book of trains that we got. Yeah. To kind of pull up the one that's supposed to model that set. See if we see anything okay. that's like crazy in that or whatever. Yeah. Sure. I'm not going to call for a role here. It shouldn't be hard to find information in a history book. So this is what you discover. The toy train is modeled on the London-Liverpool Express of 1897. What you find out about that particular train, that year, an express derailed at the cost of many lives. The train derailed northwest of London under strange circumstances, and the engine, tender, and the first two carriages were never recovered from the river 
in which they were presumed lost. The remaining carriages were totally wrecked. Altogether, over 100 people were killed or missing. Police and railway investigators speculated about anarchist movement, but no cause for the disaster was ever shown. Diving teams found nothing to recover, but the river had been high from unusual range. rains. Writers speculated that the missing coaches had been carried downstream. An unnamed official observed that 70-odd-ton locomotives, at least, were unlikely to drift downstream or to drift anywhere, really. But there are those who find the supernatural in everything. As time passed, the matter rested and was basically forgotten. Hmm. I feel like I'm an episode of Supernatural now. All right, the association dinner. So you can imagine, it's like a... Well, I guess they still have train associations. Um, not to talk bad about these guys, but they're probably uh, somewhat awkward, yet very enthusiastic men in uh, ill-fitting suits. <laughs> so, in some ways, it's very interesting, but in other ways, uh, very unexciting. It's not like a lot is happening. Of course, they kind of... As they say, grace before the meal, butter, the president, asks for the members, you know, for a moment of silence to pray for the safe return of Henry Stanley and that they can figure out what happened. But it's actually a really nice meal, six course, followed by brandy and cigars. So I'm talking about. <laughs> you have a good time, yeah. It's not prohibition in uh, England, yeah. you know. But honestly, it's just exactly as it sounds like a dinner. There's no like formal presentation or anything. People get together basically to talk shop, maybe talk about their latest findings, either books or finding a photograph. Some of them talk about new models or trains they've picked up or things they've happened to travel on. Um, does anyone there possibly know Randolph Alexis since he was the one that sold the train set? No, none of them are familiar. Really, with his name, doesn't really seem like a crowd who would know about him. Does anyone know more about the the derailment more than what the books have already told us? What you can glean is basically no one knows exactly what happened. For some people, that's enough. You know, they don't care. The official story is enough. For some other people, it's kind of like one of those conspiracy theories where everyone seems to have their own opinion about it, but. It didn't really change anything. How are you going to prove? And Yeah. Well, can we like step away to test out the train set? Or do you guys want to keep talking to the guests and learn more about trains? You can you can learn a lot about trains if you want. All right. Let's, let's learn more about trains then. I'm down for that. Is there anybody who looks a little more knowledgeable than anybody else? Because Henry talked to the president, you could talk to him or, like, people at his table. Let's right. so, mosey on over there, then. Okay. As you get closer, let's get a uh, listen roll. Oh, God. I have a listen of 25. Oh, I got it. I got it, too. I <laughs> <laughs> could, because I crit missed. <laughs> All right. At this point, Walter, um, you're not that interested in trains. I feel like you need to roll against your narcolepsy. <laughs> Um, so I rolled a 54, 
And I have a narcolepsy of 43, so I don't know if I failed or succeeded. I mean, <laughs> you succeeded in staying... Yeah. Oh, I see what <laughs> right. you're saying. If, if I succeed, do I fall asleep? Yeah. Okay, so I'm asleep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no, no I, I failed. failed, failed so I am yeah. awake, but I want to fall yeah. asleep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure. So unfortunately for you... <laughs> I have to sit through the train discussion. Something wakes you up. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) They're a little too enthusiastic about their talking, and it keeps you up. All right, so as you approach the table, you notice they're talking about the Orient Express. So just some background. Orient Express is the most luxurious way to travel at that time. It's a train. So it's kind of a feat in engineering, but also in like international relations. Because at that time, obviously, you didn't have international railways everywhere so everything had to be arranged in order for the train to go through and this travels from i believe london through like constantinople or something so uh, a good stretch of time so but basically traveling on it itself was was more than just i'm getting from point a to point b or it was like that uh emirates um commercial we saw where they have a bar and uh everything on the airline yeah so anyways, they're talking about the Orient Express, and you hear um, one of the members kind of talking about how when he rode on it, it kind of sucks because snow can actually halt the train's progress through the mountains when you're going through the Balkans. Unless you're on the snow piercer, right? That's right. Yeah. yeah. But it is the longest tunnel, the Simplon Tunnel. I don't know. It's French, so it might be like Simplon or something. Um, right. But it's the name of the... Orient Express, it's the Simplon Orient Express. So it's over 20 kilometers in length, this tunnel is, and 65 people die during its construction. But anyways, you sit down at the table. What are you trying to figure out? Yeah, Dave, you're the one that wanted to learn about trains. Well, I was kind of curious about the setup of the the, uh, model train that they had. Oh, okay. What was the setup in the particular uh, formation? Gotcha. Yeah, I think it was, it's a little odd, you know, because they're usually just in a big circle, but I think it was just designed so to look a little different as it was going. So Henry missed his credit rating earlier, but you guys may be able to get him to let you borrow the train set. Okay. Yeah, I missed. I hit. Okay. All right. So because you're an archaeologist, he thinks you have some special... Whatever. <clears throat> or uh, about you, whatever. Uh, even though you're you're barely struggling to stay awake. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, I have money. <laughs> yeah, so you, you, like, impress him with your knowledge of brandy or cigars or something. So he's like, well, if you guys are careful with that, I can let you borrow it. Um, it's not the easiest thing in the world to move, but I guess there's, like, four of you in the group. And you know we're always looking for members for our association. I think that I could... Uh, I remember hearing uh, Walter requesting to join this your association <laughs> earlier today. I'm just going to pick up this train set and walk out of here by myself <laughs> since I'm like inhumanly strong. <laughs> but while, while he's doing that, I will take a pamphlet or more information to pass on to Walter. <laughs> For later. All right. So he's going to let you take the train set with you under strict conditions to bring it back, you know, without tampering or, or missing 
uh, with it. Sure, yeah. Unleashing a demon that'll kill us in the meantime. Yeah. Don't worry. <laughs> so what, we steal it and then take it back to the hotel room? <laughs> yeah, you take or, it back, it's fine. We're borrowing it. He gave us permission. That's fine. So you guys take it back to the hotel? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. And turn it on. No. 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 <laughs> Wouldn't you be the last person that yeah, wants to turn it on? <laughs> let's get a let's get a spot hidden. Oh man, I missed that. Man, I missed big time. I might have missed that real bad. Hold on. It's only if it's a ninety six plus. Yeah, I rolled ninety seven. Oh, he fumbled it. Mm. That's terrible. <laughs> All right. I hit mine. Okay, as um, Everett, let me get a uh, <coughs> night runs. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> yeah, I rolled a twenty. <laughs> you, pa- you pass. You succeed. Yeah, I successfully rolled a night run. Okay, so as you pick up one of the carriages <laughs> to look at it. <laughs> <laughs> You suddenly feel the effects of dinner hitting you <laughs> rather rapidly, and you end up dropping one of them, and breaking a piece as you hit. So after you get back, um, the rest of you are kind of examining it a little bit more closely now that you can actually like pick it up and stuff. And Walter, ever having the photographic eye, you notice kind of strange symbols, inscriptions on the bottom of the train. Almost looks like they've been scratched in. I think that's kind of um, occulty. <laughs> Is it something maybe I possibly have seen before? Um, Sure, you can roll. I got it. Uh, extreme success for both archaeology or occult, whatever one you want to have it on. Yeah, so you notice that it's not only just like random symbols. Um, it looks to be there's a sequence to them. Okay. Maybe we take a picture of it since we shouldn't probably write it down. Yeah. Well, yeah, I can do that. Yeah, that's fine. Does it look like some sort of language? No. No, just symbols. Is Everett out of the bathroom yet? Yeah, you guys are back together. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So we have some sort of occult drawings on it that are in a pattern of some sort. Where do we go from here? I feel like turning it on would be a bad idea because that's what made the other guy disappear. But maybe that's how we go find him. Maybe. How about you wait till we leave the room and you turn it on? (laughs) I don't know. I feel like all good archaeologists have to uh, turn on something, right? Uh, I thought they just used a brush and (laughs) summon a portal or whatever to walk on through. And I use a persuade roll on Walter so he doesn't turn it on with us in the room at the very least. And I use a persuade talk roll. (laughs) So what's happening? Oh wait, whose room are you in, by the way? We know Everett. Walter's. <laughs> that works. Yep. 
Or actually, someone tell him a story so he'll fall asleep from his narcolepsy. Well, it's probably after hours, so the library's closed, so tomorrow we'll have to try to see if we can... Yeah, it's up to you, man. Money's on the line from the professor. That's true. I guess, well, we could try to break into the library. We could. Anybody who wants to stay in the room with the train can stay in the room with the train. Everybody else can wait outside. Um, what not outside? Can we just leave the door open and just kind of peek in, and then if something weird happens, run like hell? You can I'm just going to say this. Jay's a good keeper and isn't going to kill us, like, in a long campaign on the first day. Uh, I'm just saying, like... Let's see. How would Everett react to this? I, I really think, yeah, you know, like, good... if it's a... How would your character... I mean, if it's, yeah. for me, if it's, like, my character, since I'm very interested in the occult, I, I, I really think I it. would turn it on. Yeah. I would want to know what's going to happen. And I feel like Everett would be driven by that, and probably the mechanical repair. Yeah. Now, my character doesn't believe, so I don't think he doesn't yeah, care. He, he wouldn't get freaked out. Henry wouldn't either, and it would just be yeah. more of a. I think I was actually. I think I would actually be curious and want to take pictures of anything of what's that happened. Yeah, so I probably would stay. Okay. Cameras at the ready. Nice. So we put the train back on the track, and. and we flip the switch and, and we see what happens. I okay. was told that Walter flips I will the switch. Flip the switch. I will stay <laughs> out of the corner. <laughs> All right. You are the you are the one flipping the switch. Okay. All right, Walter. Since you flipped the switch, let's get a uh, D10 roll straight up. There D10. It is. Yep. Two. All right. So it goes around twice. It's actually a pretty cool train. So uh, it's run run by electronics and it's produces not like boiling steam but you know the um like a fog machine type thing you know mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah so it's it's puffing out of there it's got lights and sounds and stuff so yeah it goes around twice nothing happening let me get um someone else roll d10 three all right nothing happens <laughs> let's get another one yeah <laughs> d10 one Huh? A one? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So it's, I also rolled it's gone a one. around six. It's gone around seven times and nothing has happened. This is in like a figure eight or something. All right, five. Yeah. A five. Nothing is happening still. Wow. Let's roll the six. Eighteen. Still nothing. Hmm. I rolled a ton. <laughs> what? 28. Nothing <laughs> happened. <laughs> I think... I feel like at this point we would just get bored and turn it off, or Walter at least would be asleep. I mean, at this point I might be trying to, like, fix it or something. I don't know. But I guess if it's still, like, going around, puffing out smoke, I'd probably be trying to be, you know, like, looking for something that the last person maybe you know, did additional that caused it to, you know, create some sort of event. All right, so you guys turn it off or keep it going? I think we keep it going. I rolled a three again. So 31. Nope, nothing. I rolled a nine. A nine. All right. 
Something happens. <laughs> okay, so as you're watching, it better not it, be the battery dying or something. <laughs> all right, so Everett's standing there watching, hoping his uh his bowels uh, control themselves. <laughs> and Walter's starting to fall asleep. The rest of you are getting bored by now. I mean, honestly, watching that little train go. The first couple times is pretty cool, but by the end, it's pretty darn boring. But as that it's running, because you have no idea what happened, out of nowhere. It's almost as if the walls open up and you see a full-sized locomotive of the same make and model barreling through the room at a good pace. The engine and the coal car pass through objects in the room and disappear into the wall at the other side. So it's basically, you know, just the visible portion of the train. Uh, you can see it as it's passing through your room. And once it hits the wall, either wall, it stops. And once the first passenger car comes into view, there's only two of them. The train stops. So it stops, like, in the room with us? Correct. <laughs> so in the room now is filled with, like, steam. You can feel the heat of it. So, Walter, you're kind of, like, transfixed by it. I'm going to need everyone to kind of just roll against your sanity because a train just stopped in your room. Made it. Made it. Made it. I'm under. Okay, okay everyone made it. So you guys will just lose one for being weird. All right, as you look through the windows, you notice the train is full of people dressed in 1890s costume. They kind of glide off the train as though onto a platform and start asking all of you guys questions. Like, what time do we reach Liverpool? Where's the conductor? Why has there been a delay? How's the day become so dark and cloudy? Is there another train following? So, um, there are basically a ton of people shouting questions at you. Nobody's really listening to what you have to say. For some reason, the passengers kind of focus on Walter. They somehow sense that you were the one that started the train and for some reason start crowding around you. Make a roll against your power. Oh, shit. <laughs> ah, I was successful. Hmm, interesting. <laughs> so it's really interesting. They kind of surround you. They don't grab you or anything. But for some reason, you find yourself walking towards the train. But you're aware of it. So you kind of look at your... Companions in desperation. Let's tackle them. All right, let's get a roll against. We'll do a strength. Yeah, missed. What was your number? Uh, rolled a 62 over a 45 as my strength. You were rolling against me and you lost that too. Okay. Oh, crap. <laughs> so you kind of, you, you kind of leap at all the passengers who by now have surrounded Walter. Kind of knocks a few of them down and they look at you, but. It doesn't stop their, like, slow walk towards the train. Okay. And let me get a listen roll. Made it. And then uh, let's get a spot hidden, too. Made it by one. All right. So slowly and inevitably, Walter starts boarding the train in the first carriage. And you find that nothing you can really do can help him. It's almost as if... Not only he is being like transfixed by the spell that was cast by the train or whatever happened down there, 
but you guys are almost powerless. It almost takes all your will to even keep your eyes on what's happening. But as you notice Walter headed into the train, you hear screams and cries for help coming from behind it. And you notice in one of the windows that there's a passenger in modern day clothing pressed up against the glass of the passenger car, eyes wide and screaming for help. And that's where we'll stop. <laughs> All right, then. So, yeah, that's where we'll end it today, just getting into the adventure. Like I said, you can follow along on our website, outofspacegames.com, where we'll have a link to all the documents and handouts that these guys have. You can also write, check out what notes they've taken and just follow along with the adventure. But if you enjoyed this recording, want to listen to us talk about maybe other RPGs and board games and some geek culture, you can check out our podcast on iTunes and other great podcatchers out there. If you want to get a hold of us, you can contact us on Facebook or Twitter at Out of Space Games. I mean, we also have a YouTube channel where we post unboxings, reviews, and we also have an unboxing for this campaign. But yeah, that's it for this week. My name is Jay. My name is Dean. I'm David. My name is Sean. And I'm Jared. We're Out of Space Games. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening.